a few weeks ago. <laughs> my mind is just, I can't catch up with where my mind is. Sister Edith, is that Sister Edith? Okwando, no, she's not here. Okay, I understand I missed her 50th. Uh, oh, Tosin, way back there. Wave at me, my friend. It's good to see you. God bless you. Emmanuel, you are here. God is with us. So God is here already today. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm in good place. God is here. Give God a shout, everybody. Hallelujah. Amen. Folks, these are new, revel- new covenant truths. And the more you get accustomed to it, the more you're going to begin to see the presence of God show up in your situation. Two songs were sung in this place and worship today that were absolutely, incredibly over the top, powerful. One of them I'm going to refer to in a minute. But we really need to start rethinking. In fact, let me tell you where I am right now. I'm rethinking, relearning how to pray. Because the, the normal default is to pray under the law. Asking God to do the things he's already done. What an insult. Asking God to make me what he's already completed. Which one do you believe? Has he done it or has he not done it? So if he has done it, my prayer should align with what he has already done. That is yet to come. Let me just get in the message and let's go home. I know this is Christmas Sunday. I've been talking on the circles of intimacy. And I'm going to accelerate through number 12, number 3, and get to the 1, because the 1 is the real where I want to go. We talk about the six circles of intimacy that were around Jesus in his earthly ministry. The crowd, those who are curious, the curiosity seekers. Who is this man? What does he have to say? Let's just go here. We sit in the balcony. You know, there are some people that come to church. You see this one, Rose? Nobody's asking nobody not to sit on them. They are empty because everybody thinks, well, no, I, I don't deserve the front row. Let me just go and hide somewhere in the back. The crowd. Of that crowd one day, Zacchaeus was zeroed in and Jesus said, this day, I'm going to eat in your house. Yes. This life changed forever. Amen. Second group, 5,000. These are the needy bunch. Every time they come to church, every time they go to any event, any program, they have a need. Now, it's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Please. We are at different stages, and Jesus is more than willing and able to meet whatever needs we have. Amen. So I want to make sure you understand that. That's not demeaning the 5,000 who are needy, because as we know in John chapter 6, he gave them fish and bread and fed them. But now said to them, don't stay here. I've given you fish and bread. Satisfies you just for today. But how about tomorrow? How about next week? How about next month? We do not want to raise you as a welfare generation. Go beyond fish and bread into a place where you can eat my body, drink my blood, become a person of resources so that having your need met, you can meet other people's needs. Amen. From there, we have the circle of the group of the 70. These were the 70 that he sent two by two ahead of himself to every city and place which he himself would go. Who oh, Those guys, they went in Luke chapter 10 and they came back with a wonderful report and said, even demons was subject unto us by thy name. And they were so impressed with their own resume. And Jesus said, really? I beheld Satan for like bang lightning from heaven. That don't impress me. The only reason you should be impressed is that your names are written in the book of life. May I say about that group of people, that me and you must be very careful not to be lovers of power, which is harmful to all of us. But rather, we should be people who, lo- who, who are who, 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 not, not lovers, lovers of power, but those that, uh, that, that 
walk in love which frees people. We should not be lovers of power, but rather esteem the power of love. Whereas the love of power is harmful, the power of love is freeing. So if you're going to pursue any power, there will be the power of love. So from the seventy who entered into service for him, he gave them that caution. So we have the crowd, the 5,000, the 70, now we come to the 12. Now notice something about the 12. When they called them in Mark chapter 3, the first thing he said to them that they should come and be with him. Hear his word. And I can go out and teach to others. Question. He never said that to the 70. The 70 were mere journey men and journey women who picked up a service, did the service without having the requirement of having a relationship. But for the 12, he said, if you're going to represent me, the prerequisite is you've got to sit with me. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. This truth came home to me years ago. Years ago. Myself, Pastor Crawford Dollar, and my friend who's minister here years ago, Ralph Martin. I'll never forget this. Why invited to the house of Kenneth Copeland. We got there. The rest of us was eating. Ralph would not eat. Ah. I went to Ralph. I said, Ralph, all this nice stuff here. What's, are you fasting tonight? He said something to me that I did not understand back then. This has been a long time ago. He said, if I don't believe a man's word, I can't eat his food. That's what they said. Is it because in those days, Kenneth Copeland was deep heavy into the faith movement. And Ralph was deep, knee, knee deep in the present truth movement. Even though we were friends and by reason of circumstances, we ended up being in a man's house but he maintained his integrity by not eating anything in a man's house. Mm. I, just, I just recall that this last week. I, it just, I said, man, way back then. Just really, I ate everything. <laughs> so Jesus said to the twelve, you sit with me. You see, you cannot represent me if you don't partake me. You have no message. So you can appreciate how those guys left all and followed him. But I don't want to come there today because I'm going somewhere else. So we have the crowd, the 5,000, the 70, the 12, and by now you should be finding yourself in one of those categories. And many of us will find ourselves in one now and we'll find ourselves somewhere else later on because that's what life is all about. And then from the 12, you come to the circle of the three. These were the inner caucus. In fact, Jesus went to a lot of places with the three that he never went with the rest of the twelve. The three saw him at the height of his glory and they saw him at the depth of his despair. They were the only ones that were with him in the house of the noble man, when, no, the house of Jairus, when he raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. He didn't take all nine. He didn't take all twelve, only the three. And incidentally, they were the only three that were also with him at the Mount of Transfiguration. Now, I've done the introduction. So now, let me get to the one. That's the one I want to get to today. And it's amazing that this last Sunday of this year, we are ending the note, going back to the book of John, where we began the year. Amen. All three, Peter, John, and James, were right there with him at the Mount of Transfiguration. And I want to submit to you that it is at this mount that John separated himself from the other three. My prayer today 
is that we will not just go through church or go through the word of God, but we allow the word of God to go through us. When you read the gospel account of St. John, it is absolutely clear, very, 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 very clear that not only did he hear the words of Jesus, he heard it uniquely with revelation. Have you ever been in a place where three people he- is hearing the same thing and we asking, what did you hear? What did you hear? They all, they all see differently. What is the difference? Let me just read a couple of verses and then I'm going to get into it. Ah, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. The circle of the one. That's what I want to be. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. How did John know that? Which other gospel writer told us this? The rest of them wrote about Jesus from a human perspective. John wrote to us about Jesus from his divine, from heaven looking down perspective. He was in the beginning with God. How do you know this, John? Let's just jump to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we, we, myself, Peter, James, and the rest of the crew, we, beheld his glory. No, no. Nobody had to tell us about it. No. Nobody wrote us a book about it. We beheld it. We saw it. We were there. We are witnesses of his glory. We beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father. Ah. This glory is what? Full. Of grace and truth. Wow. That's exactly what I said. Incredible. I can just stop there for a minute. You see? I've seen postcards of cruise liners. Ships. I'm sure everybody in this room has seen pictures of a ship. Cruise liner, Carnival, Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, and on and on and on. I've seen the cards, I've seen postcards, I've seen pictures, I've seen them on TV. But until the first day when I got to Miami and I'm standing next to the ship, I realized. The pictures I've seen, what I've been looking at on television, does not even remotely come close to reality. The challenge with Christians is, you've heard of Jesus. You've conjured in your mind what image he is of. But until you like John get on the mount of transfiguration and you behold his glory you are looking at the wrong thing you do not understand who he is what he is you are looking at a glass darkly and therefore you have no idea what you are talking about when they said to you a ship holds 6,000 passengers and 3,000 crew members. How in the world, sitting in a room like this, can you fathom that? How can you fathom entering and climbing on board that ship and looking at the amenities that no picture could ever reveal? Impossible. Where's Bear? Oh, you free speaker, Senepa possible. 
It's not possible. It's not possible. That's the problem with the church. We are trying to get a glimpse of glory, of divine image from letters that killeth when it is only the spirit that giveth life. I'm reminded in 2 Kings chapter 6, Elisha and his servants. Elisha was at rest in the midst of trouble. The servant was agitated. My master, my master, there are opposition all around us. Elisha said, chill, be cool. You don't understand. Those that be for us are more than them that are against us. But this man, this man, this able-bodied man, this servant of Elisha could not see what Elisha was seeing until Elisha had to make a prayer. Lord, open his eyes that he may see. In other words, let him pick onto the mountain top. Let him climb up and see from a divine perspective what I have always seen and known and understand. My prayer for you this morning is that in this 2014, God will open your eyes that you might see. That God will allow you to see with the spectacle of heaven the things he has already finished, the things he's perfected, the things he's completed concerning you so you don't continue to insult the holy God by asking him for things he has already done. God open their eyes that they may see. Ah, somebody said, Pastor, that's an Old Testament scripture. You're right. Paul, understanding the same principle. Go read his message. Paul's bragging right was not that any man taught him. On and on he says, I preach Christ by revelation. When was it revealed? How was it revealed? Because his eyes were opened to the backwardness of what God was doing. And on the basis of that, he captured the essence of what God was saying and doing and transmitted it. In Ephesians chapter 1, Olu, this is your scripture. Every time I read this scripture, I remember Olu Taiwo. Ephesians chapter 1. Let's read this together. Whew, God help me today. 12.06. Ephesians chapter 1. Ah. Let's start from verse 15. Therefore I also After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you. Making mention of you in my prayers. Now, notice Paul's prayer. Notice his prayer for this church. He's not praying that they should have their rent paid. He's not praying for their healing. Hello? Oh, okay. All right. Let, let, let me move on. Oh, thank you. Ah. Give me some money. Give me some money. I think you are laughing aloud. Come and give me money. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being back. Oh my goodness. Do not cease to give thanks for you. Thank you. Maybe you better sit over here because you, you, you may have to give him more. <laughs> Do not cease to give thanks for you. Make him mention of you in my prayers. What's the prayer? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. What's the purpose of that? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Why do I need to be enlightened? Number one, notice this. As in the case of Elisha's servant, the guy was not blind. A man that is not blind, you're praying for God to open their eyes. Isn't that ridiculous? A man that can see perhaps 2020 that didn't wear spectacles. They can see every natural thing happening around them, but spiritually blind. 
to properties that your eyes of your understanding enlightened be enlightened. Why? Why should be enlightened? This is the key that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Why did God call us? Why? Why? What is the future hope waiting for us? And when I say future, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not talking future as in heaven. I'm talking about tomorrow. Next week. Next month. Next year. The hope of his calling. Comma. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Do you recognize that God's inheritance is in you? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So you see, Paul prays the same prayer that Elisha prayed. So the issue of the circle of the one it's all about vantage point or perspective. The crowd were not near him. The 5,000 were not near him. The 70 were content to just move chairs around and give microphone and do this and do that and sing. And they were only concerned about working for him but not knowing him. The 12 knew him. But this is a challenge for me and you. We come to a church like, service like this. We're inspired on the moment. And by the time we get home, we've lost the inspiration. That's the problem with the twelve. The three went to heights and depths with him, but they couldn't keep it. Why? You're going to find out in a minute. Ah. But the one, the one, that one was not content to just hear his words even though you heard it. And when you read the gospel account of John, it's that book alone that is filled with more of Jesus' sayings. The rest of them talk about what they saw about other people. But John was only concerned about him. That was a singular focus. You see, in that one, you may not be the boldest. We give that crown to Peter. In that one, you may not be the greatest speaker. We give that to Paul. But in the one, we will not find anyone closest. When it comes to depth, and closeness of proximity. So much so at the last supper, the Bible said he reclined on his shoulder. In other words, it was laying on him. That's what access does for you. So comfortable, so at home, no protocol. This is my body. This is my friend. He no longer calls me servant. In fact, in fact, it is only in the book of John that, re- that spoke about a new name. No longer servants, but friends. None of them said it. They missed it. They are too busy walking, too busy looking around. They miss the depth and the essentials of relationship. Let me move on. Let me move on. Let's go back to John chapter. Where shall I go? This is the amazing thing about Jesus that I'm appreciating that is changing me from the inside out. Not only is he so glorious, say glorious. glorious. Say glorious. glorious. Say Jesus is glorious. Jesus is glorious. Not only is he so glorious, I'm about to say something that will offend the religions. You are also glorious. Do you see how weak that is? 
because we've been taught all of our life, don't touch God's glory. Don't touch his glory. If you don't touch it, who will? Christ in me, the hope of glory. I, I can't touch what's in me. Are you kidding me? I carry it around. Wherever I enter, glory just enters. Oh, if you don't have a good sense of who you are, you, 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 you will never be able to key into this message. I'm going to go to the scripture to show it to you. Religion teaches us to create God in our own image rather than accept the image he has already created of us, of himself. So we will come out with all this, you can't do this, you can't do that. You can't. Where did you see that in the Bible? In the new covenant. The reason I'm sharing this, okay, first let me go to John chapter 2. And uh, yeah, John chapter 2. John chapter 2. Now, I understand that the people that say don't touch his glory, I understand the intention that they're, what they're basically saying is don't take God's credit. Yes. Or that's what they intend to say. That's what they intend to say. I can understand that. And I can accept that. I'm not going to give, get, take credit for what God has done. Because everything that we have, he did it. Yes. Everything. But what they meant and the effect it's having on us on us are two different things. John chapter 2. Verse 11. These beginning of signs. Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. And manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. His disciples believed in him. So, now this is the issue with God and glory. Not only is God glorious, but what sets God apart from any other deity, period, is that in his glory, he is willingly and desiring to share it with us. In my village, a herbalist will never give you the recipe for the concussion. Never! He's not going to allow you to become a bigger herbalist. A witch doctor will never share with you his secret. You're going to get him or her out of business. But not so with God. He said you are no longer servants. You are my friends. Everything I know I'm going to tell you. Yes. Thank you. Now, I said, Pastor, you, that's a lot of grammar. Show us in scripture. Okay. You're right. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 30. Please, if you can, give it to me on the overboard. Thank you. Look at this. Moreover, whom he predestined, this is also called. Whom he called, this he also what? Justified. And whom he justified, <laughs> all in past tense. I'm not about to be predestined, I'm already. I'm not about to be called, I already am. I'm not about to be justified. I already am. And therefore, I'm not about to be glorified. I already am. Pastors. Ah, you say, but pastor, just one scripture. The Bible says in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everyone be said. I'm glad you remember that. Second Corinthians chapter three. You see, we are laughing about this, this simple thing. This is, this is the reason I'm, I'm going this direction. And we're going to do, say some things in a few minutes and end up. If you don't establish these things, 
the enemy will wear you out in prayer. You will spend 90% of your prayer time asking God to do what's already finished. You are wasting your time. You are wasting your time. A friend of mine was, uh, is coming up with a new uh, vision for his ministry. And he sent it to me over the weekend. And he said to me, very nice, nice religious catchy phrase. Building a people of righteousness. <sighs> I read the thing. It sounds so good. But something inside of me said, something is wrong with this. How can you be building a people of righteousness? I am already righteous. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I will be no more righteous in 20 years from now than I am now. Do you see, do you see how we think? Do you believe that about yourself? Oh, you're thinking hard, you see? You don't believe it. That's the problem. That's why you don't get results. If I tell you what I've handled since September till this day, I'm not joking. Don't, don't listen, don't look at me like that. Though. <laughs> we may be in the same room, but you don't understand. No, 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 seriously. I'm telling you for sure. I am telling you for sure. I've told you before, I'm telling you now, my future, my security is not tied to one or work friend or any name we want to get. My security is in Him. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. Hallelujah. I will serve my Lord God. He's my refuge. I'm a fortress. In him do I trust. I love you, but I don't trust you. Amen. All it takes is I say one thing that you don't like, you're out of the door. You vote with your feet. But I'm thankful this afternoon that I know him who is the rock, the eternal rock of ages. I'm talking about the Christ man. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Ah, man. Let me get back to the scriptures. You guys want to? No, but seriously, I'm telling you. It works. But you have to have your mind renovated. That's the truth. Paradigm. Where, what, where are you looking from? Earth realm or heavenly realm? It makes a big difference. Second Corinthians chapter 3. I'm not even there. Look at verse 8. Verse 8. Yeah. Verse 18. Look at what it says. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. What's happened to us? Are being transformed into what? The same image. From where to where? Glory. To what? Glory. So where did you begin at? Glory. Thank you very much. I can close the book now. You are being transformed from glory to glory. So you are not being transformed from being a debt. So the bare minimum for us glory. is glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Say glory. Hallelujah. Say glory. Hallelujah. Say glory. Hallelujah. Jesus is glorious. Ah, say, 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 Jesus is glorious. Hallelujah. And so I am. Hallelujah. I'm showing you the truth. Now, with that being said, let me just go to very quickly some things that John saw through the miracles that Jesus performed and his perspective on them and then we can just go. Let's go back to John chapter 2. Verse 11. John 2, 11. It says, this beginning of signs, 
Let me just stop right there. What did John call these things? These miracles? Signs. Why did he not choose to use miracles? What do signs do? In the natural. They point at something else. Direction. Or it affirms something. When you see the sign on the building that says the Supreme Court, you know if you are looking for the Supreme Court, you have arrived. Because of John's perspective, it's not just calling these things miracles. In fact, it told us in John chapter 20. He said there are many more things that Jesus did that are not written in this book. He said, but the things, or rather the signs that are written in this book, were written for a purpose. Let's go to John 20. This is huge. John 20. Verse 30. John 20 verse 30. We're going to try to get out here in a few minutes. So that we can go and cheer up the Atlanta Falcons and the so that the glory of God will be upon them today. Amen. <laughs> the Falcons need some glory. They need some divine glory today. <laughs> How many of you want the Falcons to win today? Yeah. I, I can hear somebody say, Pastor, you are in church. You are talking about the Falcons. See, that's, a, that's, that's a problem. <laughs> Religion has taken our head and just turned it upside down. I have God in me. Wherever I go, I take him there. Yeah. And if he said, God, please take me. You know what? I was in Brazil last week. I won't tell you who was there with me because I do. Let, let me victimize myself so you guys don't go and fight them. I danced proper. I had a wonderful, in fact, if some of you saw me say, oh, pastor's backslidden. Now we know why he's wearing jeans. <laughs> I am just enjoying my newfound grace. Yeah. Hallelujah! Oh my God. God has been looking for us to have a great time in him all along. We go to church, our faces are all controlled, and we're like we're mad with the world, and we're tired. And we're wondering why nobody wants what we are peddling. Yeah. Who in the heck wants to come and sad when you're already sad? I don't want no sad Sam around me. Because the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink. But in peace. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. If we can't find joy in church, where are you going to find it? That's a problem. John 20, verse 30, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you, now please pay attention to verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, comma. Is that all he said? And that believing you may have life in his name. Now this is the critical point John is making in this verse 31. First, the signs help me and you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. What does that mean? You are born again. Yes. But did he stop there? No, sir. No, no, no. This is the disconnect between for many of us. Yes. He didn't stop there. He said, I'm believing. I'm believing. You may have life in his name. Many believers have believed. And they are not continually, presently believing. Therefore, they are devoid of the essence of life that should be working in them. Oh, did you guess what I just said? Okay, I'm going to go there now. I wasn't, but I'm going to go there now. The greatest tool that fasting does, it does not help you defeat the devil. It does not help you get prosperity. It does not help you get healing. 
he does not help God, you, he does not help, he does not ask God to do something he's not already done. Fasting don't do all of that. Fasting does not move God to do jack. Ah, and someone said, now, now we know you are heretic. You know how Jesus looked at the three and the Bible said, and he answered it. I'm answering it now because I'm hearing you talk back to me. Absolutely not. If fasting will do it, why did he do it to begin with? He said, in this world, you have tribulation. But be of good cheers. I have what? Overcome. The did he say, I, I just overcame half of it. Religion. Say religion. In God's name, I will detox you. That's Kipton Revelation 12, 11. It says, we have what? Overcame by the blood. What's the overcame? Past tense. How do we do it? By the blood. I'm not trying to overcome. I have already overcome. Ah, you need more scripture. Yes, I know you do. You are Bible students. First John 4, 4. Oh, you little children. You've overcome the world. Why? Because greater is he than he that's in the world. He's already in you. That is not good enough. First John 5. Let's go there. First John 5. I fasted 17 days and then God gave me the breakthrough. No. God gave me a breakthrough because you fasted 17 days. Because if that was the case, you blackmail God. You blackmail him. You, you bargain with God. I'm going to fast 17 days so you can do this for me. So for me that cannot fast 17 days, where does that place me? And God so loved the world. But because I can fast 17 days and you can, so you get it, I don't. And we're both children of God. How does that sound? Religion! Bury it! First John 5. If this doesn't do, do, do it for you, then I don't know what's going to do it. Verse 4. For whatever is born of God, does what? What does overcomes mean? Presently continuing. Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world past tense. Even our faith. In case you are wondering, okay, John, what are you talking about? He defines it in the next verse. Don't stop. Look at verse 5. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. May, may I just take a pause and ask that question in this room? Is there anybody here who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. So what are you trying to overcome? What we have lacked is the inspiration of the word. And many of us have just heard other people and we take what they're saying. It sounds good, powerful testimony, and you keep on doing it and it produces no result. No result. No result. I do not fast to convince God to do what is not already done. End of story. I was going to give that to you New Year's Eve, but you took me there. That's not, that's right. It's not biblical. Now, you may argue with scriptures. That's up to you. Is there a place for fasting? Yes. What does fasting do? It clears my mind. It clears me of all the junk. Don't allow me to see what God is showing me. That's number one. Number two reason for fasting, and the most important one, it helps me to combat unbelief. The only thing the blood will not do for me. 
Christ is not going to do that for you. You have to believe. You read all of John. On and on and on and on and on. It tells you believe, 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 believe. 12.33, how did I get here? Very quickly. Looking through the eyes of John now. Remember John said, there are so many signs. And he only picked seven. He only picked seven. God's number for perfection. For you, is that what I'm saying? All the way from Houston? Welcome, sir. It's good to see you. Amen. Seven. God's number for perfection. Number one sign that John talks about, King of Galilee. We read that in John 2.11. Where he turned water into wine. Most people only saw the miraculous of water turn into wine. And that's what happened. Yes, truly, indeed. But you know what John saw? He saw a Lord and a master over substance. He didn't just see wine. Which doctors can do that? In my village, they're doing it as we speak. But they are not masters and lord over substance. The earthbound eyes see a hand that poured wine into glass and drank. Ah, wonderful provision. But John, with his heaven bound eyes, saw a master who spoke a word and made it so. Say, Pastor, what's the difference? What, what, what point are you making? Are you kidding me? How did Jesus do that? Merely by speaking to the servants. Mary said, whatsoever I says, do it. How many times does God tell me you to do something and you linger? You linger because you are only seen the postcard. You've not been inside the ship. When you get inside that ship, and you see the amenities, the wonderful food, and all the things that are there, you will never doubt it again. Never, ever. When Jesus says to do something and you're still struggling, still lingering, is because you don't know him yet. Yes, you are born again, but you're still seeing from the earthly spectacle. He saw a master over substance. Number two, very quickly here. In John chapter 4, the second sign, John chapter 4, the healing of the nobleman's son. The, man, the son was sick, came to seek Jesus out. Even though the man was away from home, Jesus merely spoke the word and the rest is history. This sign revealed Jesus as the master and lord over distance. You see, you read the Bible and say, ah, somebody got healed. Hey, yeah, 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 crack, yeah. You are shocking me. No, it's more than that. You are sitting here. Maybe your parents are in Guyana, Jamaica, Trinidad, Nigeria, Ghana, Cameroon. You have people all over the world and you are concerned about them. Indonesia, Malaysia, and you are wondering, can this, my God, connect with them? You need to know who you are serving. He's a Lord and master over distance. Distance don't mean jack. For him. So rather than dance and appreciate just the healing, you need to go beyond that and see what's behind the healing. It's a master that's over distance. You are just one master away from whatever ails you. Distance, no barrier. Number three sign that John showed us in John chapter 5 in verses 1 through 9. The paralytic are the proof. Jesus asked this young man, well, I don't know how old he is, asked him if he thinks he can be healed. And of course the guy has all the excuses in the world why it cannot happen. 
You know the story. John chapter 5 verses 1 through 9. John recorded this for us. This sign revealed Jesus as the master and lord over time. The man had been there for 38 years. He didn't just get healed. If all that's all you see, you have not seen Jesus. What's the issue you've been dealing with? How long has it been? For which man and doctors and everyone around you said, ah, it's beyond the time. It can't be done any longer. You're too old. You're not young enough. You're not this, you're not that. They make time a mountain. You need to know that this savior, this Lord, this master is just not master over distance, it's master over time. Go ask Abraham. He will tell you. Those, go ask people who's believing God for children for years. They've done everything we know to do. Nothing happened. And all of a sudden, go ask Chizu Denwa. Married 16 years. No kids. And when God visited him, he had twins. Same day. One moment, he was barren. The next moment, he had two. Is Lord and Master over distance and time. You need to see it like that. You need to see it like that. Number four sign that John talked about: the feeding of the five thousand. Ah, no, 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 no. This one is too much. In John chapter six, all he had was a little loaf and small fishes from a young lad. And he multiplied it and fed everybody. He reveals Jesus in two ways. It's not a matter of just them eating. You miss it. If that's all we see. But we see two things here. Number one, he is the master and Lord over the quantity of need. How much is that rent you need right now? The mortgage. The car note, and on and on and on and on it goes. And by the time you use your calculator, this is a long list. You don't want to look at it because in the natural, it overwhelms you. The quantity of this need is humongous. How much is little loaf and fish among so many? They reminded him, capital song. What is wrong with you? Be cool. How much can you do with all of these people? He said, I will show you. I'm the master and Lord over the quantity of your need. But that's not all. He also showed in that sign that it's a multiplier of a small gifts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Woo! No, no matter how small you bring to God, Put it in his hand and watch what he's able to do with it. If you don't believe it, go ask the widow of Zarephath. In 1 Kings 17, she said, I have just a little bit, a little bit of flour. I'm going to eat it and go and die. That's how desperate she was. Elijah said, Fear not. Fear not. Go and cook it. Bring it to me first. And you'll see what my multiplier will do. Many of you are not able to obey God in this house. In your giving. You are so afraid that if you give God your tithe, or if you give him offerings, that your needs will not be met. You are cheating yourself. You are robbing yourself. It's a multiplier of whatever gift you put in his hand. This widow who was so desperate put her faith in Elijah's God's hand. And the Bible said, the being of flower did not fail for many days. Many days. All it takes for my eyes to be open to understand I'm not dealing with a mere man. I'm not dealing with a mere man. Let me just hold it up here. Number five sign. Walking on water. In John chapter six. <laughs> Walking on water. 
We'll be so carried away. We write so many, we, we write so many books on it. What did John see? He revealed to John that this Jesus is the master over every storm. He's the master over every storm. And what's the secret? How do you activate that in your life? Simple. Looking unto Jesus. Just look at him. Take your eyes off what your problem is. Take your eyes off the storm that's raging. He said, Pastor, you don't understand. They are calling me. The big collectors, they won't let me rest. Take your eyes off of them. Just look unto Jesus. Let Jesus know, Jesus, you finished the work in me. You've perfected it concerning me. My eyes are squarely on you. Say tomorrow. Say the next day. Say the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And the next day. And the next day. Ah, you will change your circumstance before it changes you. Number six. Just two more. Number six. And I'll be done. In John chapter nine, the healing of the blind man, the man that was born blind. The healing of the man that was born blind. John chapter nine, verses one through 12 and verse 41. For John, it reveals Jesus as the one who opens eyes. Not just blind eyes. He opens eyes. Period. I'm here looking at you right now. I can see you. But there are areas of my life that God needs to open my eyes to still. Jesus is the one that does that. He's the one that does that. And how did this happen? Jesus simply told the man, go and wash. Is that simple enough? Go and wash. This is our problem. When we bring things to God and we hear instructions that are so simple, we ignore it. Because I went to Harvard, Cambridge, Oxford, University of Pennsylvania School of Business, all of these prestigious institutions, they've taught us all these complicated equations, so we think with God, it has to be complicated. Go and wash is too simple. I washed yesterday. Why are you going to tell me to go and wash? How many times will I take a shower? How many times? Am I crazy? In the middle of the day, I'll go and take a shower again. You, 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 see, you see, when you reason like that, God just bypasses you. It's gone. Last and not the least, John chapter 11. Now, is it not amazing that John is the only one that records this miracle? The reason of Lazarus. He's the only one. He's the only one. John chapter 11. I'm not going to read it. You know the story. Lazarus is sick. Martha made a sense emissary to Jesus to go get him. And Jesus very uniquely did not come. What an audacity. He did not come promptly. So the first problem we have here, the first situation we have here, the first mountain we have here is the one Martha Mary has to struggle with. Jesus' tardiness. He didn't show up on time. How are you going to overcome that? That's the first thing Martha and Mary has to learn to overcome. That he does not have to come on your time. But he will come in his time. Yes. Huge. Let me leave that alone for another day. But the real thing here that, G, that, that John wants us to see is that while the world and everyone was so amazed that a dead man rose from the dead, John, this apostle, was more amazed by the one whose presence alone can conjure this. In other words, as miraculous as it was for Lazarus to come back from the dead, John was not, he was impressed, but not carried away. Rather, he was so carried away by, wow. Because Lazarus will die again. Never to come up again. But he's amazed at the one in whose presence, at the mere speaking of the word, can conjure and make it happen. 
And on that day, in John 11, John heard for real that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. How do I know he heard it for real? Because in John chapter 20, in John chapter 20, when the women had come to tell them that Jesus was no longer in the tomb, we were told that Peter and John raised to the tomb. John got there first, but stopped. Peter, in his bold, audacious, audacious way, went straight in the tomb. And then John followed him. The Bible says, Peter looked and left. But John looked, and the Bible was very specific. He looked and believed. Yes. What prepared him to believe when others doubted? This is the essence of the one, my friends. When others around you are not sure, they are not certain, you can say, I know him. You may know his acts, I know his ways. You may know him in some what, but I know, I know, I know, I know what he's capable of. I know what he can do. I know what he will do. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. That's where God wants to take us. John saw the tomb and believed. Nobody else had to tell him. Peter, the bold apostle, ah, what's going on here? And then later on, of course, as they went fishing, Jesus showed up on the shore. It was dark. Immediately, John recognized him. It's the Lord. Peter was there. He didn't recognize him. But after John said it, Peter dived in the water and started swimming to him. Why did John know? Proximity. You can smell him. You can sense him. You can feel him. You know him because you've been together for so long. The essence of his being has already come on you. You are just like him. That's why when they tried to kill him and put him in boiling oil, he didn't kill the man. They had to banish him to the island of Patmos. And even in the island, he was on the spirit on the Lord's day. And on that day, Jesus gave him a revelation of himself of things to come. Nobody else. Rise to your feet. You can stand in the crowd. You can be part of the 5,000. You can be part of the 70. You can be part of the 12. You can be part of the 3. But I want you to know that unique position of the one is available. Amen. It's available Amen. to all of us. There has no favorites. It's available to every single one of us. A place of heavenly perspective where his mind becomes your mind. If you're here and you've not even made that initial decision of being connected with him, being born again, this is the last Sunday of the year. What a glorious day to do it. Only believe Believe in the finished work. Believe that he loves you. Believe that he died. He asked you instead of you. Believe that he has already forgiven all of your sins. Past, present, and future. Only believe. If that is you this afternoon, we want to pray with you. Is there anybody here today that says, Pastor, I want to end the new year, this, new, this year, on a good note. I want to connect to Jesus. Is anybody here right now? Thank you, Father. Okay. For the rest of us, you heard what I said. These six circles are available to all of us, and we go through different various ones at various times. But the best place to be is in the one. And so, Father, in the name of your son Jesus, I want to thank you for every man. I want to bless your name for the word you've given to us this afternoon. You said that those that you did predestine, you called them. And those you called, you justified. And those that you justified, you already glorified. 
And so, Father, I thank you for every man and woman under the sound of my voice. God, that none of us will fail to arrive at our destination, which is you. I thank you for the hunger you've placed within us that can only be satisfied with you. So, God, thank you for the privilege of feasting on you. We embrace you. We love you because you first loved us. Thank you for loving us so. We bless you now. In Jesus' name. Amen. And again, Merry Christmas.